Hey there, it's Jason. Welcome to the Jason Wright Show, where the mission is very simple. It is to improve always in all ways. Look, I am on a mission to create the absolute best version of myself. And through the Jason Wright Show, I let you know everything I'm doing to make that happen. I interview incredible, remarkable, brilliant individuals from all different walks of life. And I also try to bring you tools, tactics, and protocols that will help you in your own personal mission to improve always in always. Now, let's get started. Hey there, folks. Before we get started, I got to tell you something I'm really, really excited about. That is the Vitruvian Inner Circle. So as you've heard me talk about before, I actually have my own app. It is the Vitruvian Lab. This is where I house all of my curriculum, and it's also where the Vitruvian Library is. This is like my personal swipe file. It's where all of my research goes to be stored, and I share it with you, the Vitruvian Lab members. But here's the cool thing. You can download the app for free, or you can just go to jasonrightnow.com, click on courses, and you can download and have the Vitruvian Lab at your fingertips on your laptop, your desktop, whatever, or you can take it with you everywhere you go by downloading the app at the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Now, here is the new thing that I have added, and I'm really excited about it. If you decide to join the Vitruvian Inner Circle, First of all, you get to do that for free for 14 days. You can look around, you can look at the classes and the courses and find out which ones you might want to take. And as a matter of fact, you can knock out a couple of them for free in your 14-day trial. Then if you decide to stick around, it's only $29.99 a month. You're going to get all of my updated courses, which I'm adding to all the time. You're going to get my workouts. That's right. I'm actually going to work out with you, including every single week. I'm going to start creating new workouts every week so you can go in there and there's an actual tracker so you can keep up with your progress. It helps to hold you accountable. And here's the best part. It's actually a community. You can actually interact with other Vitruvian Inner Circle members. Why go to Facebook? Why go to Instagram? Go with like-minded individuals in an ecosystem of people that are devoted to improving always and always it's only $29.99 a month, and it gives you access to every single course, including my massively transformative habits, which I charge 500 bucks for. Now, if you are an Inner Circle member, and I don't care if you download it, you start the trial and you knock out the $500 course in 14 days, and then you quit. That's great. As long as you improve and I help you with that, I'm cool with it. But I hope you'll stick around. I'm going to give you every single reason to want to be an ongoing member of the Vitruvian Inner Circle. And the only way I can do that is to continue to bring you value. And that is my goal. Okay. Now that you know about that, go to the Apple App Store, download the Vitruvian Lab, go to Google Play. If you use an Android, download it there, or just go to Jason right now, click on courses, download it right now. And then once you do download your free 14-day trial to the Vitruvian Inner Circle, I will see you there. Now, Enjoy the show.
All right, gentlemen, I have pushed record. So now, Giovanni, you got to behave yourself, dude. We're recording this and I don't I don't want to, you know, have to fight cancellation because of some nonsense you and your mustache, you know, you, you cause. I, I I can't deal with that. All right. So, uh, all right. So this is a this was your idea. And for the Jason Wright Show audience, you know that I bring on Giovanni every once in a while. Uh, Giovanni Costanzaro. Does, does that sound is that, 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 is that good enough? All right, yeah, and then, much. and today, Giovanni brought a new guest to the Jason Wright Show, Jake Margus. And the idea is essentially to talk about three different generations of dealing with some of the things that guys deal with. And I thought it was a great idea that Giovanni came up with. Uh, right now, it is, as we've talked about, we, we've actually had a couple of episodes with my buddy James Quandall. And uh, and I talking about just the, uh, the the male species in general is in a weird time, especially in America, kind of men trying to find their their way. And so with three different generational perspectives, I think this could be a lot of fun. So well done, Giovanni. This is your idea. And the to get this thing started, you have brought both of you have brought a couple of questions that we will throw out there all and we'll just kind of tackle how generationally we have dealt with them and what our perspective is on them and just kind of see what unfolds so whichever one of you jake or giovanni wants to go with your question first let's do it all right let's start so you know me and jake we're, we're both we're both same guys here in austin um you know we're we're tackling the dating world we're we're in our careers we're trying to move up you know we both come a long way in terms of careers since we met four or five years ago um and and i i sometimes find myself tackling with you know am i on track am i on track in life with a career am i on track in life with getting a family and finding a wife and settling down with children am i on track to getting a house and this is all this all comes back, you know, full circle to, you know, us, you know, growing and being men and, you know, being providers, because I know at the end of the day, no one's going to save me. I have to save myself. We've talked about that before. Um, I have to make sure that I'm in line before I can take in a wife and kids and make sure that I'm settled in and I am taken care of. Um, so, you know, my question, you know, basically that I brought to the show is, Am I on track career-wise? I find myself comparing myself, you know, in terms of, you know, my friends, some of them have already gotten married. Some of them have a good career. Maybe I'm on track too. Am I falling behind? You know, I, I just, you know, I'm about to turn 26 in a couple of months and I always find myself comparing in a healthy way, not an unhealthy way, you know, where it becomes depressing. I'm always happy-go-lucky and I feel like I'm on a good track, um, but am I behind? Am I on time? And is, is that a healthy way to ask that question? Is there a better way to tackle that? So that's what I've come with. All right. And Jake, do you want to respond to that? Or do you want me to take a stab at it? So I've had that issue before growing up in my life. So just like it's, it's human nature to basically want to compare yourself to others. Because you see some people find that early success in life. Others are finding it right at the same time at your age, uh, for your age, I should say. Um, but I was starting to tell Giovanni the other day about, like, look at the Roy Kroc who founded McDonald's or stole it, but, like, wasn't until his, like, late 50s that he yeah, actually... 56 years old, I think. Yeah, same, same with uh, Colonel Sanders of KFC. Yeah, 65, sleeping in his car, dude, trying to sell that recipe. Yeah, Oprah, I think she was in her, what, 30s? So it's just, like, people find success and... I, my, my, my mentor told me this that I have back in Wisconsin found years ago. 
that life is a marathon, not a sprint. And that because I'm, I've been growing up like thinking like, oh, I'm not, I'm far behind. Like I see everyone else getting married, having houses, kids, a career. And it's like, you can't do that to yourself because that will just eat away you. And then you'll be stuck in the past or stuck in your current spot and not making progress going forward. So it's easy, easier said than done not to do what, uh, I just look at others that have gone before you and see what found success. And it's like, Hey, it's happening. God's side. Yeah. All right. So here's my, my take on it. First of all, I, it's, it's, I think it's very appropriate, Giovanni, and for the, those of you who are not going to watch this on YouTube, you're just listening to this. He's wearing a t-shirt that says be ready, which is uh, a portion of uh, a scripture from uh, first Peter one thirteen, And I just heard this recently. It was Jim Rohn giving a speech, the the legendary motivational self-improvement speaker, the the actual mentor to Tony Robbins and where Tony Robbins made his first fortune. He was selling uh, Jim Rohn uh, engagements, uh, speaking engagements. And Jim Rohn used to always say that you had to be ready when opportunity knocked. If opportunity were to knock on your door, would you be prepared to say yes? And so... I think both of you guys, it's really, it really does my heart good as the older dude of the trio here today to see two young men that are taking the time to get yourselves ready. I do think, and you, and you mentioned it, Giovanni, there is both, and I think Jake, you touched on something that every single man, we do it. We cannot help but compare ourselves to others, especially within our age group. Am I where I should be within my age cohort? I have been guilty of it for so many freaking years. And, you know, opening up LinkedIn and you look at one of your buddies from college, high school, whatever. And especially if you knew that back whenever they were younger, they were like a douchebag and kind of an idiot. And now they're crushing it as a partner at freaking bank consulting or Boston consulting group or, or, or an attorney doing just, and you're like, what, what I was supposed to be doing that. What is this knucklehead doing? So it's very natural to do that. But I think that you have to back away and you both seem to know where you want to go. You know, like Giovanni, you're talking about, you want a relationship, you want a family, you want to be prepared to be a, they, that provider of the household, the traditional masculine influence on your family. You know, the goal, it's like anything else. Once you know the goal, then it becomes a matter of nothing but focusing on the inputs that are going to hedge towards you reaching that outcome. So now I think the best you can do, whether it's your career, whether it's for the right woman, what, whatever it is that this opportunity that may one day knock and present itself, I think the best that all of us can do is to start focusing intently on the inputs. I always tell, you know, I tell my daughters and you know, both of them are dating now. They're both adults. They're 22 and 23. They're, they're off. They're out of college. They're on with their careers. And I tell them, look, if you want a prince, you have to be a princess worthy of a prince. And if I had a son, I would tell him the same thing. And so tell, you know, you guys, if you want that princess, however you envision that princess to be, you yourself first has to make yourself worthy of a princess. You have to be in good health. You have to make yourself mentally strong, spiritually strong, emotionally strong. And those are the things. And then, I think too, it's 
it's not comparing your, it, what you always got to do is remember that here's the thing that you got to always bear in mind. I think if our comparisons become something that is a peer group, uh, because we base it purely for the most part on the external, the plastic. So that's when we start to, we, that's when we start to dive right head first into the matrix, right? Because we're, they're successful, not because we've looked at them and said, we have cate categorically decided what we consider successful and we see them and they're checking all the boxes because we can't possibly know it. The only thing we know is what the matrix presents because we don't know that that friend that all of a sudden is rolling in a, a McLaren and, sh and taking photos on this ridiculous boat. And in the south of France and just doing these amazing things with a different hot girl on his arms. We don't know that that friend is not, first of all, leveraging themselves to the hill, couldn't write you a $500 check and sitting alone most nights ready to blow their freaking head off after they've done a few lines of blow and they're miserable and they're empty and they've got everything the Matrix had to offer. We There's no way we can know that. So what we have to do is just kind of Look, and if now that's not to say that we don't choose what Jake mentioned, you got a mentor that's lived some life, that's gained some wisdom and look at their life and go, all right, seemingly mentor, you've got a great wife, a great family. Yeah, you've got material resources, but you know, how have you done that? And how can I achieve those things? And that, that comes right back to where I started this little soapbox rant, which is I think the best we can do is like with, whether it's in sports, anything else, you focus on the inputs. And then the beautiful thing about life, the score, the victory, the perfect girl, that proverbial content life, as long as you are intently focused on those inputs and doing it right, I think that the rest of it will take care of itself. And here's the cool thing about it. It's not about being self-centered, narcissistic, and constantly navel-gazing and just being this person that's like, it's not about becoming Patrick Bateman from freaking American Psycho. That's the, that's the, that's the toxic side of what I'm saying, right? Instead, it's about uh, describing what I try to describe in my book, The Stone Chiseler. It's chiseling yourself from the inside outward so that it becomes so apparent to that princess, to that boss that... This Jake dude, this Giovanni dude, this Jason dude, there's something different going on. And the thing that's cool about it is I can feel it. I can sense it. I know it's there. It has nothing to do. I don't even know what car they drive. I don't know what kind of watch they wear. I have no idea who made their suit. I don't know any of that. All I know is them. And there's something within the content of their character that's pretty special. And that only comes from chiseling yourself from the inside out and then the and you got, I know it's cliche at this point, but the comparison needs to be who you were yesterday. Exactly. Are you better today than that guy was yesterday? You know, I talked about this. Um, when we start to look at others as kind of the gauge for our own success, we have no idea where that person started. I mean, look, the three of us. Did any of us have? And maybe you did, Jake. I don't know. Did any of us have parents that were Ivy League? Grads, Ivy League alum? No, no, right? Okay. Any of us who had parents that were on the board of Goldman Sachs or anything like that? No, no, no. 
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with those people that are. But if we don't know that maybe that person had this incredible leap forward in life that we simply didn't have, and we're comparing ourselves to them, then what the hell? That is just not fair to you. Just I like, you know, right? Okay, and that's a, I'm gonna jump in here and cut me off, Jim, because I I will get on a roll with this stuff, brother, because you're talking about. Well, so I I find myself having to remind myself, you know, having you know been moved out since around 18. And I, I've, I've tried to take after the model. You know, my parents said they've had to work for everything they've gotten. My dad's been on his own for a long time. And, you know, he wasn't Ivy League or anything. He had no college. You know, he did everything he had to do. Um, as we talked about, you know, in the first episode I was on. And I think that's helped me in a way because I think being on my own all these years now, you know, I've had help, of course. But it, I think it's made me truly appreciate the journey because, you know, I believe that, being on my own and having lived on 1500 hours a month for almost so long and finally getting to a point where I'm comfortable career-wise and salary-wise now being above the median average of the American income. Um, it's way more worthwhile. And I know that dollar worth that I, I can't just go out and spend a ton of money because now I know that, Hey, you know, I know how much a dollar is worth now. I know how much it is to save heat. He, I remember, I'll never forget one day, we, me and him were in the car. We were running at Zilker every weekend. Um, and we were on our way to the gym after the run. And he said, man, because I always, you know, when I first met him, I thought he was like two or three years apart from me. And he's about, he's, he's, he's like, he just turned 37 last week. Like, it's two weeks ago. It's insane. I guess 20 age. So, so I tell him, he, he tells me, he hears me venting about, you know, because last year I was on a big job search and I'd been, I'd taken so many interviews and everything, just getting my master's and it was so hard to get a job um, that I wanted. And he was telling me, look, he was giving me all this advice and he finished out with this. He said, I wish at your age, I knew everything I'm telling you now. And I said to myself, that kind of woke me up. And I said, you know what? I need to take advantage of everything he just said. Because on the last episode, we talked about life's too short to be fooling around. And once you get the knowledge, once you wake up, and I woke up about a year and a half, two years ago, once you wake up, it's hard to go back to sleep. And you don't want to go back to sleep. So he, he really woke me up with that line. Like, he, he, he would kill him being 10, 15 years ago. Anybody would have. I am there and I need to take advantage of it. Well, and I so, wouldn't say that I'm chill to be. But you know what I mean? You know, I mean, well, you know, having the extra few more time or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. But now it's just, I get part of the wisdom I've gained is like being comfortable where I'm at. Again, life is a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, not really giving a care what other people think or see. Like, hey, unless you really know me, like, as you said, the content of my character, I mean, you know that I'm trying do big things in life if you know me actually but just on the surface and you don't know me like i don't care like you just got to stop caring about what other people think about you because they don't pay your bills yeah and i let like that eat at me for years in my 20s especially of just like trying to be the people pleaser trying to like actually uh always be seen in a positive way but it's like hey not everyone's gonna like you so what like that's their problem not, not mine yeah could not agree more and the thing is, too, so a buddy of mine's been on the show a couple of times, a guy named Jordan Selleck, this whole idea of life being a marathon, not a sprint. He does marathons and and uh, and triathlons now. That's kind of like he and his wife, that's what they do. They go all over. And he just did one in London where he had no desire to try to finish with a great time or anything like that. Because, I mean, he's doing a marathon in London. 
So he took the time to stop and look around and see the sights while he's doing the marathon. And I thought, what a metaphor for life. It is a marathon that we should take time to look at past accomplishments. Each one of us once learned how to tie our shoes. That was a big freaking deal. Then we learned our ABCs. That was a pretty big freaking deal. Then we learned how to read. And then it just in progressively, our knowledge base, it started going. So and if you stop for a moment to just process the miracle that it was for us to any, to any of us to be born, and then to have the cool opportunities, the things that we've learned. And then when you start to, I think this is the thing, the key to, and I've, I've, I've caught, I mean, I, and look, it's taken me nearly 50 years to really get to this point. But because Jake, I was that guy. I mean, I had, first of all, I'm a guy who's overcome a fixed mindset. I was a performer my whole life. I needed, it didn't really matter if I was important or I was wealthy or I was doing well. I just needed you to think I was. I need to look like I was doing wealthy. I had to get that MBA from SMU because I need you to think that I'm smart and worthy of being in the circles with the top private equity people. And I just, I, I, I it was a performance. As I've gotten older, to me, I realized that just human development and doing that really well, being able to read faster, absorb better, be held, have a higher VO2 max, not because having a higher VO2 max makes me look better, but makes me feel better. Uh, just all these things and just really optimizing the human experience. Then all of a sudden you start to ignore what the matrix is, is obsessed with. You just start, right? That, that point where you said about the marathon, looking around and appreciating, stopping, thinking about it. I actually, you know what, just thought of something. I remember you came over one day, I showed you how I bought a bunch of frames from Hobby Lobby and I started to hang pictures up. My walls were white. I had nothing up. And I was like, it's just a studio. I don't want to ruin the wall. I don't want to paint anything when I leave. So I said to myself, you know what? I have photos. I have my degrees. I have family photos. I have, I have staff photos. You know, I've, I've, I've got accomplishments I want to hang up on the wall. So I did that one day. I went to Hobby Lobby, spent about a hundred something dollars. I bought some nails and I hung some frames up of my staff photos at the legislative sessions I've worked and the, and the letter that Senator, you know, signed for me and like the staff photos I've been a part of. And then I had to sit back and realize this is actually a good thing. You know, it, it doesn't inflate you, but it actually makes you think, hey, look, look back. You've done all right. You know, you've gotten a few accomplishments in there. Not that I'm this, I'm not some, you know, Nobel Prize winner or anything. It's not something to, to go around and, you know, show off advertising. But it makes you think, hey, you're doing all right. Calm down, relax. You're still young. Take it easy. Roof over your head. Yeah, you got, you got, you got things going for you. You got some stuff to hang up on the wall. Not everybody's got those things to hang up on the wall. I got to be appreciative of it. So I mean, I said to myself, okay, this is this is a good, healthy thing, and I realized it now. I walk by them every once in a while. I walk in my place all the time. There's not much room in there. I walk around and I go. Oh wow, that was a good time. I remember that. It's, it's just you know a little bright part of your day. And, like my, my previous coworker, Avery, that I brought last time, she told me about, you know, self-confidence. Give yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack. You're above average. Be careful. Be, you know, just be, be careful what you put into your mind. Cause if you give yourself that negative self-talk, you're going to, you're going to portray that. No one wants that. Oh, and I've been there so, myself though, over the years where it's just like, I'm harsh on myself. Like I have high expectations for myself. I'm very driven and. But my mom and my dad would be like, you're beating yourself up way too hard over this little thing that she accomplished. And I'm like, yeah, but I wanted to accomplish it. I mean, 
even going off of what you were saying about, you know, right now 37 years old and back in the Midwest, I'll just say, not saying it's the entire mindset out there, but a lot of people will be like, oh, this guy's not married, doesn't have a house, doesn't have kids. Like he's not really fully living life right now. He doesn't have all that. It's like, oh, my God, God's timing, it will happen. And I'm actively dating, but at the same time, it's like that checklist people kind of expect you to have. And it's like, hey, it doesn't always happen, have to happen in the same order though, either. My dad, I know when I was kind of trying to figure out my career in my 20s, he was just like, why can't you just get that nine to five job that you can pay your mortgage and raise family off? I'm just thinking that is not me. I love my dad very much, but that was just not my mindset. He, I am blessed for the family I have and the way my parents raised me, but I'm more of a risk taker. And that's why I moved down to Austin here a few years ago. Just because I'm like, I need more risk in my life. I want to like push the limits of myself and not care about like this checklist or he took, I mean, get out of my comfort zone and stop comparing myself to others. I feel bad. We spend a lot of time on my question. You always go deep, Giovanni. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I think we can kind of, um, I think that we can just kind of wrap this thing up by enjoy the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a marathon that's meant to be not, not run for time, but to be run for what you can see and what you can do while you're there. Those memory dividends. Remember that? Get those memory dividends in, which by the way, so that the idea of the memory dividend came from the book by Bill Perkins, uh, Die With Zero. And uh, Bill Perkins is coming on the show uh, this month. Yeah, I'm going to interview him this month. He'd been doing some traveling. So I'm really excited because so much of a lot of what I've talked about, about contentment and living life well came from, I mean, that's Peter Tia, one of Peter Tia's top three books. So I'm really excited to talk to him. And then um, I've also, I'm going to be interviewing next week, uh, Dr. Uh, Gad Sad. I don't know if y'all know who that is, but yeah, he's just, he's got a new book out called the, uh, the sad truth about happiness that is fantastic. Highly recommend it. And so anyway, that's kind of when you start to focus on an optimized life as defined by you, what you find to fulfilling creative and that something that would be attractive to the type of spouse that you hope to one day have, then that's where that's where the, the the calculus actually changes. So it's a good question, dude. That was a, off to a good start, dude. We uh, that was that was nice. All right, Jake, what you got, brother? Pressure here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, bring it. No, mine was uh, in preparation for like coming on here. Was watching a lot of videos on YouTube. I'm just either people that are trying to motivate others or influence others, and it was. Um, uh, how do we, can barely bear with me here. How do we be, or how do we define the best version of ourselves? Which at first, like watching these videos, it was like, okay, obviously it's a set of career, life, uh, house, all these other toys that you might have. But then I was thinking about it even further. It's like, well, but not everyone's at that moment right now in their lives. And so breaking it down further into the time that we're all eating, each at our lives at this moment. So that's kind of like, how do we define the best version of ourselves? This is my question. 
Giovanni, you want to you want to tackle that? You want me to just start? Yeah, I, I think I can go first. Um, so I like to say, you know, I'm again, I guess bring it back to my other point too is the comparing of my past self. So you know, I used to tell Jake, I told him the other day when we were uh, we were we were watching some videos together, reading some dinner. I said, um, man, I remember three years ago when I got a, I would get three three frozen pizzas a week. I was two hundred pounds, and I would just eat that for dinner almost every day. And and chicken fried chicken tenders with rice. I just eat all that, not exercise. I feel like crap. Don't be afraid of Yeah, that too. And I would not feel good. I would not feel good at all. I'd wake up at an eight o'clock nap and work the next day. I'd wake up right before work and before I was ever waking up super early. So that was definitely I know now looking back that that was nowhere near the best version of myself. So it took being down a little bit to being now at my best version you know you have had you guys to show me some ropes luckily i found early enough i found some good mentors to show me some ropes of what a best version could look like and i've started to see okay i know that i'm only you know three or four years ago i'm only 21 what's the best career could look like for a 21 year old no one expected 21 year old to make six figures right now so what's the best version of me at 21 and 22 and now at 25. Okay, now I got to start making a little more money. I'm 25. There's a little more pressure to keep going and keep progressing, you know? So I think the best version at the time, as you get older, I would say, is that you have to, you, as long as you're progressing, I'd say as long as you're you're looking forward, you're progressing, you keep moving up the ladder, I think that would be the best version in all aspects, fitness, relationships. I even say with dating. Okay, these four dates last month didn't work out, but I'm glad I, I'd rather have gone on the dates and not worked out than not gone on any at all. That's an improvement. So that's where I say, okay, as long as I'm going in the right direction, I think if as long as I feel like I'm moving forward, that's important for me. Well, it's, it's, there's a lot there. And I think this speaks to, so Carl Jung, who basically was a clinical psychologist, uh, I believe in Austria, Jordan Peterson mentions Jungian psychology a lot. And essentially he's the one who developed this idea of we have this ideal self and we have this shadow self, right? There's always this shadow and your ideal self is the one that in the shadow, the shadow is trying to one, tell you why all the reasons why you cannot be your ideal self, why you cannot be and do the things you truly want to do. Further, you have this shadow self that has um, an understanding and you know it's there, it's behind you. It's the one that says, this is what you really want to do, say right now, but you can't because you have your mask. You have your outward self that the world has seen that you're trying to craft and create. But there's, but that's not the real ideal nor authentic you. There's still this shadow that is the full, complete you. And so I think, first of all, you have to ask yourself, what is my ideal self? And you touched on some of that, Giovanni. Obviously, just to sum it up, it's a healthy you. And then you, and then there's, it's a, then it's the ideal you is someone that has a mate that is perfect based on what you define as that perfect mate that accompanies and complements your, your traits, right? And so when you can start to figure out what is your ideal, someone who tells the truth all the time, regardless of the consequences, Someone who does the right thing all the time, this ideal self, someone that is brilliant and smart and is funny and is healthy, this ideal self, 
the shadow will, t- will just start throwing spears in it and saying, you haughty, arrogant, son of a bitch. How dare you think that that could be you? And, and, and then there'll be those moments where something will challenge your ideal self. And this, this is like, for example, someone asks you to go to a social engagement that you know it, you absolutely don't want to go. That, that, that there's this shadow, I, there's this shadow of this real self that's you that says, you don't want to do this. You're only doing this because of the outward projection, because you want to be seen as someone who goes to these parties, gets invited to these parties. You're afraid you might not get invited again. So you're doing all these things to try to craft this ideal outward self and not being true to your true ideal self. So I think that a lot of it takes this exploration. This is the hard thing. It goes back to something, Jake, that you said earlier about when people hear guys like us, because I say this, I truly, and it took me a long time to get this point. I don't care what anyone thinks. It's what allows me to have this podcast and do the things that I do because normal everyday guys like me we're supposed to just be lawyers and in selling insurance and being members of the country club and taking our kids to 30A during the summers and doing all this typical repetitive stuff every day. And then all of a sudden, and so who the hell do you think you are with a podcast and writing books? What do you think? Are you trying to be famous? That's what the, that's what the people that exist in the matrix look at a guy like me and say, what are you trying to be famous? To which I would say could care less. What I'm doing is I'm being honest with my ideal self, which is I'm set, I'm am a bit obsessed with again optimizing my life to the greatest degree, carving and crafting a life that allows as much time as possible to spend with my wife and my daughters and the people that I love and truly want to be around. And if that looks funny to you, if that looks stupid to you, if that looks like a waste of time to you, I don't care because what I'm doing is no longer am I trying to play into the mask, which was Giovanni, to one day be the governor of Texas and do all these things and and be public because that's what everybody expects of me. That's the image I had portrayed. I had built this outward ideal self that is politically minded and is going to be do all these things to where I, now I'm like edging back closer and closer and closer to my true identity, which could care less if I ever have any so-called power, prestige, uh, prominence in the way that the matrix defines it. I'm just, I'm not, and it's not, but on the other hand, I, and you, we sound like jackasses when we say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Well, I want both of you guys to like and respect me and, and consider me a mentor. I do want that. If you don't, it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's not going to define who I am, but I do want people to think I'm a nice guy. I don't care if you, think I'm successful according to the matrix's scorecard of that. And so I think really what it gets down to is just being really freaking honest. The last thing I'll say on this, once you discover that ideal self and true identity that you're going to start chiseling away to become, then you have to really start measuring the opportunity costs. So you have to ask yourself each and every time, and I have to do this now constantly. When it comes to, especially just kind of on a very rudimentary, simplistic way, job offers. I could be making a crap ton more money doing a bunch of stuff that I freaking hate. Now, if I did those things, 
I would get to do all the crap and I could do all the stuff that makes me just look like a freaking badass in the matrix. I would be one, but then the opportunity cost of that would mean that I would put myself in a position to where I would have to constantly say no to an infinite number of possibilities that while no one else may value in the matrix, bring great value to me. And so I think Jake Giovanni, once you figure out who you are and you start chiseling away to sculpt that ideal you from the inside out, then everything needs to be gauged against the opportunity cost. Because every time you say yes to that thing that you really don't want to do, and it's in conflict with that person that you know who you are, that person you know that you're crappy, every time you say yes to those things, you're saying no to an infinite number of things that could, in fact, build up and help you shape that that person, that, that, that optimized human that you are striving to become. I think, you know, also too, with the ideal self, that my ideal self includes having a mustache and not caring what anybody, anybody thinks. You obviously don't care what I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I sit there, I look at this, and all of a sudden I got a craving to go watch Boogie Nights. And the stone, hey, the Stone Chiseler also has a really good name too. So I'll yeah, say it. Giovanni Cristiani, named after you, but I guarantee you, Giovanni did not have a mustache. He's not out there in the stone yard chiseling away with a freaking stash, you know. Hey, yo, check out my molar over here. Oh, so, so, so what do you have for us, Jason? We had a, we had a question. What do you got? What do you got for us? Maybe mine, mine is very simple and it's a little bit open-ended. How is, just look, okay. As an old fart, I look on the dating scene and I see as, as challenging as it is to be a man, I see the message is just being hoisted upon the female population these days. And I'm like, bless these girls' hearts. A lot, they're be, in, in my opinion, what they're being told is a definition of a successful woman as a great woman that will give you a great, great happiness in a future is all the biggest pile of steaming dung that can be just hoisted on these poor girls. And, and, and as a result, it's making it, I would think, extremely difficult for a guy to find that, that the girl that you guys seem to be looking for. So my question is simply, tell me about the dating scene. How challenging is it? And what, and tell me what these girls are really like. Am I pessimistic? Am I, am I wrong? Are they really just great, wonderful girls? It's just hard to choose which, which one to make your ride. What's it like? Take it away. Oh, so many choices. Uh, I mean, that's part of the problem, though, too, obviously, with the dating apps nowadays. It's like a lot of people, and I can say I've been in this place before where it's just like you are like, hey, this one doesn't work out. There's many more out there, which nothing wrong with that to an extent, knowing that it's like, hey, there's 8 billion people on this planet. But it's like you're already trying to even move on beyond like the one you're currently talking to because you know there's more fray behind it. And I think everyone's kind of in that problematic mindset right now. I'm like, hey, there's plenty of options out there. So I'm not going to give this as much effort as I should. Where me, I always try to give my full effort into every like date that I go into. And I would say though, too, with like, you had like some stuff you were saying about what's being pushed on the women here. Like it's doesn't look good for us. 
guys that are like actually legitimate trying to find the right person where you got a lot of creeps out there online talking to these women sending whatever sort of pictures to them that it's like okay wouldn't ever send that in a million years but um and take it over for a second here. I, well, I real quick, I want to jump in here. Yeah. yeah, I would think right now, if you're a total douchebag, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's got to be great because oh, yeah. girls are basically being told, go be the ideal for an absolute douchebag. You know, treat sex like a transaction. Don't and just just get out there and slay it until you're ready. And then all of a sudden go for a Jake or Giovanni when it's time to settle down but until the, and, 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 and so in other words, devalue, your, devalue yourself all along the way. And then whenever you get a high quality guy, then, then, you know, it'll be okay. But the problem is, and this isn't Jason Wright speaking, I'm not dating. I've got the girl, I've got the greatest wife on earth. I don't have to worry about this anymore, but these poor girls Statistically, what they're finding out is that guys like you that do have choices, it's and you find out this girl you're dating is she's just been run through and she's, you know, later she's 38. She's closer to she's closer to Jake's age, which just I like and Jake wants a family. And it's like it just limits her options. And that's what breaks my heart for these girls. They're, they're, they're told that all of this will lead to some happy ending somewhere and they get to call all the shots. Just throw evolutionary biology out the window so it doesn't matter. No, no, no. We're rearranging the rules. Slay queen. And yeah, it so, just seems like it's just such a losing proposition for all parties involved. Or am I just being cynical? No, no, to interject here, I mean, there's a lot of high expectations on men. And this is just, I can only speak from some experiences, but just like guy has to have an amazing job, pays a lot of money. Uh, For the double standards that women women won't complain about. So there's always the double standard that men, there's double standards, there's double standards that each gender doesn't like. However, we find that most of the complaints come from the other, from females who don't, they only care about certain double standards when it doesn't help them. So for example, they don't mind the double standard that I have to pick them up. I have to go, I have to ask them out. I have to pay for dinner. No problem. That's, that's no, that's no problem. That was a double standard that men take in, we accept, and we understand. That's just a game. It's just a known social norm. Um, but like I said, I've been on my fair share of dates just this year alone. Um, and I won't say that it's all then. It's I have I have some problems there too. I would maybe jump in. Maybe, yeah, that's a maybe in, yeah, yeah, that's said. The, they like it. So, you know, I, I'll jump in. You know, maybe I'll ask a girl out that I don't agree with on everything, but I don't mind going out for a drink or going out for a dinner. Um but I think when it comes down to is, is that the unlimited options, that's a big problem. You know, you go on a date and you find one thing you don't like. I think a lot of people have a problem with they're looking for that spark on the first scene. And it's not, it's not just not going to be there. And it's just, it's just the spark on the first date is not that you're supposed to continuously fall in love with someone 
eventually leading up to marriage. And I, and I think a lot of the problem with these dating apps, which by the way, I believe I had up to seven at one point and I'm down to one. I, I can't stand them. I'm eventually going to get rid of them. And I guess I brought up Avery earlier. She told me, you need to get rid of them. Stop forcing it. Stop trying to look. You've got a lot of good things for you. You don't need to be on these dating apps searching for these women that clearly are just out there seeking attention. They have a ton of likes sitting in that. Yeah, and white. Yeah, and not, she and was not just waiting. Not saying all of them, but not, yeah. not all of them. But the average girl. Then we talk. The average man, half men, half of men in the country right now have not had a sexual partner within the last year. Men weren't having a sex, sexual interactions. It's just not happening. So the fact that I can see going on all these dates this year, just I just know that I'm already on the right track. However, are they dates? quantifiably that you would put in the category as in quality, not quantity. So I say to myself, okay, stop looking for it so hard. So I gave up on the apps a little bit. And there's been recent luck in the last month or two, but you know, just settling into a new job again. And um, I don't, I, I know that she'll come. She will eventually come. But you also start to get existential at the same time too. When you realize I'm my father's age when he had me. So you start to feel that little pressure now. Again, here we go back that first question. Am I on track? I just compared myself to my father and he found he was lucky to find the greatest woman that's ever going to exist, my mother. And I'm like, okay, where's that for me? You know, it's just we run into those questions. So what the thing is all like I was telling you the other day about, you know, at 35, like when I hit that age a couple of years back and I'm thinking like, again, comparing where am I along with the rest of the population? I asked him, I said, what is there pressure there? How do you feel? I looked it up and I forget the exact statistics. It was pretty high of like, guys, once they turn 35, it's like, so crap. Like, I'm behind now because, and then all of a sudden there's that pressure. Like, I got to find someone and get married. Can I add one thing? Yeah. Remember what I told you is right here by the pool. I said, I said, I'm very, very, the biggest fear in life is not death for me. My biggest fear in life is knowing that I could be 40 or 45 and my parents will either pass or be too old to ever see me walk down the aisle, walk or have grandchildren with them. That is that's just because one day, when they go, they will never come back. And I know men that will, men don't talk about this out loud. It just doesn't happen. They will just deal with it. They'll sit there and understand that that's it. My parents will never see me get married. My parents will never see me have grandchildren. They will never, ever be a grandparent. That is existentially scary to me. And there is pressure to want to move forward. And I asked him, I said, just as advice, what do you think? What's going through your head in April? We had this conversation. Because that is, that is a scary thought. A lot of men won't talk about that. You know, because like I said, we've talked about this before. A woman can be saved. A man has to save himself. And you can't be saved there. Once it's over, that, that time of life is gone. And you can't bring your parents back to get a wife and get a child. You know, it's, it's scary to me. It's unfair to put that amount of pressure on it. It is unfair, as you mentioned, because you follow life of the marathon, not a certain you calculate or plan all this out. Like, you just... You know, like I look at your situation, go through God's timing of it. Like I look at Jason's situation, he remarried after all that time, had kids, and he's found the love of his life now. And it's like, did you expect that? He went on that cup of coffee date. You said, I'm not going. I'm not going. And you went going, and it was the best decision you ever made. You said, oh, what was it, 140 days later? You had a rape women. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's obviously what I think about. You know, this. this. We're fortunate as, as men that we do have longer runway, just biologically, you know, yeah, uh, we can, we can procreate. Like my wife. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we do. I don't know why, but we're, it's just it's the way it is. Hey, did y'all hear where Al Pacino, his 29 year old bride or girlfriend or whatever, she's they just had, I think, either twins or a baby. And he's 81. Jeez. That dude is still making babies at 81. And, you know, women don't have that uh, biological luxury to be able to have women. In. They they are having them older these days, but still, there's always risk associated. So first thing on your your point, Giovanni, it's it's a very noble and respectable concern. Absolutely. To, to want to have that for your for your mom and dad. But as we know, most decisions made out of a fear of any kind leads to a less than stellar outcome. I'm speaking from experience in so many ways. Secondly, I'm reminded of this story uh, when I was in high school there. We used to have like the University of Ohio, probably one of the most notable ones where you put the stickers on your helmet for big plays and, and after a game. And so by the late season, if you're really good, your your helmet is just covered in stickers, right? And so, there, so my junior year, there was a senior, Michael Ricks, one of the best defensive players I've ever played play with. He ended up getting a full scholarship to Baylor. Unbelievable athlete. Ricks would not put one sticker on his helmet. So you've got all of us coming out there with stickers all over our helmet. And there's this one, the best freaking player on the team. His helmet's still all blue. Nothing on it. He couldn't help but look at that and go, what's up with that guy? And I think right now, as you got, the best you guys can do is to be the Michael Ricks of this crowded field. To like, like you, Giovanni, saying so you're getting away from the ads. And all these other things that, a lot of the men are judged by that are conformist, conformist actions, you know, whatever that looks like to somehow be this guy that stands out that I see you're healthy. I see you don't drink a lot. And I see, and I don't also, I've never seen you on a dating app. I mean, you just, all these other things that guys are doing to try to mix, to get in the fight. I see you standing kind of outside of that and just kind of walking your own, your own path it's risky to an extent because you think I'm taking myself out of the market, out of the flow of where I could be seen and where I could find that mate. But once the right one comes along and says, this one's different, I think there's just a lot of value to that. Um, I also, I think that you guys, I just, I feel bad for, I feel bad for you guys. I feel bad for the girls. It just, it, it, it truly, it's one of those things that doesn't keep me up at night. That's an overstatement. But for my daughters, and thank God, I think my daughters, they were traditionally raised. Mm-hmm. And so and they're kind of that last generation, kind of before they, they go for it. It goes from that generation, I guess, then into yours. Giovanni, maybe there's one. Yeah, it's, that, that would be right. It goes from my daughters, then, then, then into you, then into Jake, <laughs> then into me. And so they kind of just barely escaped what's happening right now and it makes me sad but i think it all goes back to the princesses need to be honest with themselves and make themselves princesses worthy of a prince and vice versa that prince and it might take that and and look leverage like what jake said leverage that this is a marathon and as men like i am that guy i thought i was washed up damaged goods, 
broken and worthless at 43. Had this list. I, I made this litmus test for, and dude, I mean, everybody listens to Jason Wright show. They know that I'm the most old sash and probably some of my listeners, they like the stuff I talk about biohacking, but they cannot stand my faith and my, and my <laughs> traditional values. And I just hope they'll still love me anyway, in spite of it. But I had this litmus test for if I were to ever remarry, which I had sworn off and said I would absolutely never do, it would be so hard to find this person that she didn't exist. It, and that was in, and lo and behold, out of the blue comes Jimlin McKee, now Jimlin Wright, that you mentioned it, uh, Gio, that one coffee date and a week later, I knew, oh my gosh, I'm going to marry this girl. And here's the beauty of it. Here's what's good for the girls that we as men are waiting longer and that Jake, you, you're, you're getting longer. Dude, like fine wine, to use your analogy earlier, uh, or actually, I guess that's a simile to use that. Um, we get wiser and thus makes us better for that woman. And, and look, women mature later than men. I mean, I mean, earlier, excuse me, they're more mature at an earlier age. It takes us a little more time to get there. And so an older dude and a younger woman, it sounds cliche and everybody likes to frown upon it. And everybody likes to, you know, cast stones and think it's just for some superficial reason that the dudes do. But there's a reason beyond Anna Nicole Smith and all the, the goofy stories about these chicks that are digging for gold. The, the ones that have their head on straight, they fall in love, I think, with the maturity of the man, the maturity, the wisdom of the man. I think women are smart enough to go, okay. And they, and the thing is, women, women who get knocked for for being a gold digger or whatever. No, women just know what to, they know how to, they know, they're like a, like, think about it. An employer wants to look at you and, and go, okay, if you jump, jump from job to job to job to job to job, you're not going to offer much stability to me as an employee. A woman is smart enough to go, if this guy's got a good pocketbook, a good job, already in his own house, or at least has the potential. Here's the thing to remember too, boys. And both of you have this. Don't be worried about the house and all that stuff. What a woman wants to know is that a woman will, will give you some grace. This is statistically speaking. This isn't from Jason Wright. This is statistically speaking. Women surveyed. They will forego a man that is proven for a man that they see as having potential to have the things that women want, which is stability, security, you know, money. The women, not just for material, superficial reasons, no, women want to know that they have a man that can provide for both of them, even if she's contributing. They want to know that, hey, I've got a partner. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm working hard right now, but I want to know my man, he's going to be able to make that money too, that we're going to be able to have this financial future together. And so just as long as you've got that potential, you're still very valuable in the marketplace. Who's getting screwed right now? I think the, the, the poor bastards out there that are not bettering themselves, that are not listening to this podcast, that are, that are, are listening to it and going, screw that. I'm going to go play some video games get fat. And whenever my mom goes to the grocery store, I'm going to tell her to pick me up another bag of, of Ho-Hos and Doritos. And I'm going to stay here. I ain't never leaving home. That poor guy and they're, un and they're not good looking. They have no job prospects. I feel bad for them. They're screwed. They're, they're going to live in that basement. No high quality woman's ever going to find that valuable. I'm sorry. And so and that's that, why we, it's just, I don't, it's, that's why we got to save ourselves.
No one's looking. To, no one's going to be looking for us in, in that room. We got to do it ourselves. And here's another thing, boys, from old Uncle Jason that I learned that I I was I would not have said this. And Giovanni, you know this about me. Anybody that was around me whenever I was single and I had um, I had I had gone through my divorce, which I was ashamed of. I was embarrassed, not because I was the. It takes two people to destroy a marriage. Okay, but. but the, the history was so just to be clear for my own ego's sake, it wasn't because I was having an affair or I was had a gambling habit or snorting blow and spending all the family. No, it wasn't anything like that. It was just a long, just very bad things happening that um, in the marriage that um, out of respect for my daughters and, and, and their mom, you know, we're friends now. I don't have to go into the details. Bottom line is the marriage ended. And I said, I would never do that again. That's the dumbest proposition on earth. Why in the hell anyone would ever marry? I think it's so dumb. And I remember even re listening or reading uh, Napoleon Hill's uh, Power of Positive Thinking, or it was, it was either that one or the, um, or the Magic of Thinking Big by Schwartz. And they said in there, if you look at all the people, all the men who have been incredibly successful, most of them had really good marriages. You know, John and Abigail Adams famously had this great partnership and this great marriage. And then, um, and I was like, yeah, no, 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 I don't need that. Forget that. But I can tell you right now, and any guy out there listening, that if you're jaded, if you're, if you're cynical, if you have gone through a horrible marriage, whatever the case may be, and you think, you think, no, I would never do that again. Let me tell you, I'm living proof. Jimmelin Wright. Now look, look, here's the deal, right? I say this all the time about my show, the improve always and always guy, the most positive dude on the interwebs is constantly saying, I want to be the best version of myself so that that can spill over into the fruit of the community in which I serve. I, the fruit of that will spill over into the community in which I serve and that will help other people. Jason Wright had zero, zero goose egg, not a chance of reaching his full potential without Jim Lynn Wright. I didn't know that, but now I can unequivocally state with an, with, I mean, with absolute conviction, I would not be as good of a man as I am. Whatever that, however good that is, I would be far, far lesser without Jimlin than I am with her. A woman completes a man. Jerry Maguire was right. Jerry Maguire was right. <laughs> so. So, you know, I think, and, and, and you guys, here's the good news, man. And it does my heart good. It really does. It encourages me because I can't get really cynical. Uh, but I see two guys like you, that you care enough about yourselves and you care enough about that mate that is out there somewhere that God is getting ready for that perfect Hollywood meet cute between you guys and who you will spend your life with, that you care enough about her to prepare yourself and you don't even know who the heck she is yet. I think that's the most amazing thing. It's a gift. I, 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 you know, so I think, it, I think it's a duty to have to be ready because then you'd be doing yourself, but you'd definitely be doing them a disservice because you wouldn't forget the luxuries in life, forget the vacation to Europe twice a year, forget the vacation home. It's the basic necessities. It's that day to day. It's that will you be able to, will you be there every day? Will you be, will you, it's remember in the Bronx tale, you know, he goes, you know, he talks about how uh, Sonny's the tough guy with the gun and Robert De Niro says, no, let's see him drive a bus every day. And let's see him wake up early and go to work every day. That's the real tough guy. Your father's the tough guy. Mm -hmm. So that's where I learned that from, you know, from my parents and my grandparents and 
and all my family. And that's where I feel like it's been instilled in my head that, you know, like I said, I've said it again. I said, again, no one's there to save me except myself. And that's how it will always be, at least for the male. It will always be that way. And I think that's just, that's the burden we were, that was put on us. And that's my duty is, is to, is to carry the boats as David Goggins would say. Yeah. And the cool thing is if you do it right, and I know that, um, as a believer, you'll understand this is when the Bible says, uh, to love your spouse as you love yourself, that's exactly what he's talking about. It's like you work, you're working so hard to make yourself the best version of yourself you can be. When you find that partner, loving your wife as Christ loved the church means that whatever it is and every woman is unique, but if you will love on her and build her up and help her be the best version of herself by cherishing her, respecting her, adoring her, nurturing her, then it just, the focus then goes once, once that happens. Like right now, the focus is on you preparing for it. And then once she shows up, you still got to keep yourself strong and make yourself better and better every day. But now you get to focus some of that, some of that, that self, that self-improvement on that self that is now two have become one. So the self is you and her making both of you better. And then when she partners with you, oh, it is so freaking Beautiful. And I am living it. I see it. And I want it so bad for you guys. I really do. And you, cause you guys, y'all, y'all are catches. I mean, I mean it. You guys are then. So ladies, if you're even listening, with even with the stash, dude, you, you know, you even rise above that Thank you. freaking fireman, New York policeman stash, which, you know, you, I will say this. It's kind of sweet. You know, your dad being a New Yorker who then came to Texas to become a cop, I guess. Uh, cause he wasn't a cop in New York, right? It wasn't until he got to Texas. Yeah. So, you know, now you kind of have the whole vibe. It's kind of almost like an homage to your dad's uh, law enforcement career. That big old stash you got crawling across your top. No, he hates it. He hates it. Trust me. He used to have one at my age. I see it in the family photos. I know where I get it from, but now he doesn't have it. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, sure doesn't. Sure doesn't. Well, guys, I think this was awesome. I mean, we we kind of knocked this out. What else should we cover? Is there anything else about this whole dating scene? Am I off my rocker? Did I say anything that you guys are like, Jason? No, you're, seeing it, you're seeing it from a good vantage point. Yeah, I think the only thing is, as you're talking about the uh, women uh, be a princess or your, your prince, I think a lot of it too that I've been seeing is like a lot of girls that I've experienced with is a lot of them don't quite know what they want yet. And maybe it's... Maybe it's just also just part of the evolution of us and where we're at in society where, you know, people are starting to give away till their later life to get married. So they're like, oh, I'll push this all off. And, but now it's like, girl says she wants one thing, like I want a nice guy, but then still wants to be going out, do it or whatever. It's like, wait, you're saying this, but your actions say otherwise. I think the most important aspect, especially to going on many dates with many women and not going anywhere, the most important part as a man is to never get bitter about it. Yes. If you get left on yes. red, if you get ghosted, if you get told, I don't want to go out with you anymore, I had a nice time, don't get bitter about it. Because if you do, it's, it's embarrassing, one. However, the other part is just know, hey, look, they were up front with me and honest. They don't want to be, they don't want to see me anymore. Great. I save money. I'll save time. I'll do that. Kind of that that's, that's if they're honest. True. And that's, that's if they're honest up front. However, yeah. even though at the end of the day, no matter what she does to you, no matter how she rejects you, no matter how it goes down, the important thing is to never be bitter about it. Come be, be humble yourself and say, hey, wow, I can't get anybody I want. But also just move on gracefully 
and 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 take it in stride and just go to the next one. That's just how it is. Well, and I even do this too, where as you're saying, pray to God like before I go on a date or if it's further out, I'm just like, God, if this is meant to be, like, continue opening that door. And if not, close it right away. It could be a lesson. It could be practice on how to speak to a woman. It could be, hey, now remember to do that next time. You know, oh, maybe I won't buy flowers on the third date or something. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just start going on drink for drinks instead of taking her out on an expensive dinner. You know, I've learned that lesson. You know, it's just, just small things that you can pick up on. But, it, like, all in all. Just don't be bitter when it doesn't work out. I've, I've sent rejections. I've gotten rejections. I've probably gotten a little more rejections than I've sent rejections, but that's just the dating scene. And you know what? That's what's going to happen on the apps too, is when someone believes they have unlimited chances and they see one little mess up and they've got 30 guys lined up in their lives, you know, you're going to get rejected. It's going to happen, but you're just getting one step closer to the one that God wants you to be with. Or as I tell my so, sister, one more note closer to a yes. That's right. I happened with Bob last year. So why not work it out? You know, Jake, one of the things I wanted to address uh, real quick and purely anecdotal, my youngest daughter, we had this conversation one day um, on our way back from the airport. And we had, and I love having these conversations with my daughter. She's they're around that sweet spot at 22 and 23, you know, and I'm constantly, and they throughout their lives been pretty open with me. Not always as open as I'd like, but pretty open. Did you know about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I know about. All right. They've told me, they've curated their stories pretty well, I think. But, um, you know, Abby and she wasn't, she was just kind of talking and she said, you know, I one day want to, should I want to have a job? I want to work and I want to provide my, my half of the deal. And I mean, this is a girl that when she lived here, guys, so there's this, uh, Mexican restaurant where we always eat that we've eaten since the girls were like little bitty. So for however many, so probably 15 years of Abby's life. She's eating. She's then she gets her, her driver's license, and it's literally a straight drive from where I live. Once you get down the main street to this restaurant, about I don't know six seven miles away, and she would have to use her GPS to get there. Okay, that, this girl is now decided she went off to the University of Colorado, graduated, decided she wanted to spend a couple of years in you know New York. She always wanted to live in New York, secured her own job, has moved to New York and is living in New York doing her thing. I mean, Good for her. and I couldn't be more proud as a father to just watch that independence blossom. Rylan, who I'm going to be picking up from the airport here in a little bit, went off to the University of Alabama, has moved to Atlanta, is starting a life for herself there. I'm so proud of that. But going back to Abby, this girl is very independent living in Manhattan, doing that, doing that thing. She told me, she said, you know, dad, I really would one day like to stay at home and be a mom and a housemaker. And, you know, I would, I love the idea of, of, you know, cooking for my husband and taking care of him. I think that would be so fun. I would love that. And she said, but I'm like, I can't say that out loud. And, and, and I mean, I feel like if I were, I feel guilty for, for first, I feel guilty for wanting to do that. Cause I feel like a, like I would be taking advantage of my husband. And two, she said, I just, you just can't say that these days. Uh, and so I think what you're, when you, when you guys are going out with a lot of these girls, a lot of them are being told their natural instincts to want to, to be a nurturer, to make, to be a homemaker and have children, which by the way, having children is a woman's freaking superpower. They can make and carry freaking babies. That's awesome. That's freaking greatest thing ever. Greatest thing ever. Oh, and it's, it just, it blows my mind, but they're being told 
that what they naturally, not because a bunch of freaking chauvinistic, patriarchy loving and building dudes say this is what you should do, but because there's just something in them. And A's, I did not raise Abby and Ryland saying, you will one day be in a kitchen and his shirts cooking for your husband. So you're going to be, I never did that. Instead, I always said, girls, I want you to, whatever you see is your ideal self. I, your dad's going to be here to make you work for it. I want you to struggle, but I'm behind you. You know, I, there's this song by Def Leppard, Two Steps Behind. I've always played with the girls. I was like, this is me, girls. If you ever wonder, this is me, no matter, I will I'll just, just turn around and I'll be two steps behind. But you go out and you freaking crush this life the best you know how. And your dad loves you and he's behind you. This and is she has, huh? No, sorry. I know you're going over. So. No, and I said, and yet that she has determined that deep down, she wants to be a traditional homemaker and she feels guilty and she knows that society, these chicks that are running the matrix say, no, you should not want that. Do not want that. That's not good. That, why would you ever? And so I think Jake, these, a lot of these girls, they don't know what they want because what they want, they're being told you shouldn't want that. You're wrong for wanting that. Now, not all of them, not all of them, but statistically speaking, most women, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. He's done a lot of consulting for some of the biggest law firms in the world. And the, they bring him in as a clinical psychologist to say, the most brilliant women we have on staff, we can't keep them after they're 39 years old. We, can you help us figure this out? Okay. If you're a 39 year old attorney at a major law firm, law firm as a female, then, then your options for a man you get the cream of the cream of the top. You get so, so you get to decide it's socially acceptable to be able to go, you know what? I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. So partner that I'm working with that might be 43, 44, you're making what? One, two million a year. Yeah, I think we can live off that. We don't need my 750 to 2 million, whatever I'm making. We don't need that anymore. We can, I'd rather have a family because women are better at prioritizing these things we talked about earlier. Women understand what really matters in life before we do, but they're being told, no, all the shit that the dudes are into, ladies, that's what you should be into too. You need to go for the cars. You need to go for the sex. You need to go for not being married. You need to go for footloose. You need to go be the douchebag that you freaking have been taught to hate. That's who you need to be. And I've always said too, like a guy can go through the drive-thru, hear a girl's voice on the other end who's taking his order and fall in love with her. Doesn't take much. I vote that. Are, are, you, I just, are you saying this? What I'm trying to say is, like, no, 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 because I don't, I don't drink that. So, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, there's these two things online called the male delusional calculator and the female delusional calculator. You can, what you want, your ideal mate. And then it tells you what the statistic, like, statistical likelihood of you finding that person in America is. And I put around, I put my parameters in and I remember we, a few of my friends, we were sitting around one day and I put in my parameters that in the, in the income that I didn't need her to make any money. And a lot of them were like, why? You don't want her to work? I said, I never said I didn't want her to work. I said that the reason why it says zero is because men don't need them to work. That's the thing. It's a minimum. I don't need her to be working. She doesn't need to be. That's the thing with, with, with females, the, their innate value is initial. It's, it's right off the bat. It's just you're, we're alive. You're breathing. You're beautiful. You're feminine. You're, you're, you're agreeable. That's it. That's all it takes. When you're looking for a man, though, 
A lot of them slide that that dial to the six-figure mark immediately. A lot of them slide that dial on the six-foot mark. All she has to do is be shorter, agreeable, and maybe, okay, she she wants some motivation to work. Great. But that's the thing. It's it's completely uneven. Men and women are completely unequal, and it's not wrong to say that out loud. I have no problem saying that. And it's not unequal in a bad way. It's in, in, a, in a market where you're free to make all the choices you want. We're still going to resort. We're still eventually going to come back to this bell curve of the natural order of things. It's just innate. It's how it's going to be. And I don't know, but when I go on these dates, especially girls on dating apps, and I don't know if maybe it's just the city in Austin that we're in. It could be. But, but women go into dates under, not understanding these natural phenomena, these traditional phenomena, and they'll think that their job title matters to me. I don't care. They can say they live in a home and they're unemployed. It does not matter. But if I was to say the same thing, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you get dropped off here? Did your mom give me $20 for the movie tickets? Like, what's going on? You're not concerned. I'm not concerned with how much money she makes. But if it's the other way around, I'm never talking to her again because she's not going to talk to me ever again. So it is so much a double standard, but it's okay. I've accepted that double standard because that's what men, I'm not bitter about it. I accept it, I deal with it, and I move on. I explained that very thing to Abby because she she brought up the the... Uh, age old trope of why is it if a woman has a lot of men, she's a slut. If a dude has a lot of women, he's a player. Why is that the case? Why is that okay? And I said, well, first of all, it's not okay for a dude to be a man whore. To me, that's a douchebag. And I don't think there's anything noble about that. But if we're just talking about, if you wanted to answer the question, it's this. It's only two reasons why a dude that's good. Let's just say he's decent looking. He's not even good looking, but a decent looking guy. Okay. There's only a, only two reasons why he's having a lot of sex. Either one, because he's really good looking. He takes care of himself and he speaks well. He presents himself as though he is desirable. Okay. That's why he just, he's the same guy that looks like freaking Brad Pitt and is going to slay it. Okay. Or two, he's a mediocre dude, but he's very successful making money. So that's why you say, well, okay, what if the dude just pays for all of his sex? Well, he's got to be doing, he's got to be good at something to be able to pay for all the sex. So maybe he is a gross, disgusting douchebag, but a chick would still, that's why chicks will marry the pot-bellied, ugly dude that's really rich. That's, so he's, he's had to, to your point, Giovanni, he has had to earn his way into desirability. The woman, you're exactly right. She's born with her beauty and her value. Again, she possesses the superpower of being able to provide a child. She is special. That's why this, that's why I, I will argue all day long that the whole patriarchy argument that somehow we just globally came together, all the men way back when and said, let's hold the women down. I don't think so. I think it had more to do with the fact that. A woman needs to be protected. The human race does not procreate and does not exist without the woman. We got to have, she's got to have the babies. And so we got to protect her and take care of her because she's so freaking special. She has value from day one. And, and then there's just the, the pure, just hedonistic sex side of it. I mean, an ugly chick that's willing to give it up, bless her heart. Some dude's going to have sex with her. She can have a lot of sex, even if she's not that good looking. Cause there's a lot of, pathetic, horrible douchebags out there that will have sex with the, with the ugly chick or whatever. The ugly dude, unless he's got money, uh-uh. He's not getting, he's not getting it. It's so, it sucks, but 
that's just the way that it has been biologically. And so I think, I think the, and then, and that, that brings me back to the, the, the guy that can have a lot of sex doesn't mean he should. And, you know, it's a lot of things that we are able to do. It's legal to do. It's fine to do, but it's not good for you. And I think as far as men are concerned, any dude out there listening, if, if you yourself want the creme de la creme de la creme de la top of that princess out there, and even though you can just freaking slay it, man, how cool would it be if you're a dude that can say, as you're just, you're good looking, you're successful, you take care of yourself. And by the way, when you guys really start ta- having those serious conversations, you can go, yeah, I, ha- I just, I wasn't that guy. I, I haven't, there's, I, I can't imagine some chick would be like, ooh, wow, you probably don't know what you're doing. So you've only had sex with three, two chicks, or you, are you a virgin? Oh, I'm out. I don't want you. Nah. I mean, and if she is a chick, if it's a, if it's a girl that says you're a virgin, so I'm out, probably, probably an easy, easy decision right there that, yeah, probably not a chick for me. Yeah. So anyway, so dude, we got some, we got some pretty intense topics here, guys. We might, we might get canceled after all. Y'all might have just destroyed the Jason Rice show. Well done, boys. get canceled if you want to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to keep showing up here. I'm going to keep showing up. Um, this was fun. Jake, it was really a pleasure meeting you, dude. You're you're welcome to come on anytime. Giovanni, you and your mustache, you know, you're welcome. Come on anytime. You might have to make an appearance up there in Tyler again. You never know. Yeah, we'll bring you boys up here. We'll do this live. Uh, I would love to do that. We actually got some space, Jim and I, where I'm probably going to set up um, a set to do more of the uh, the live stuff. Uh, I probably, you know, I don't like to leave my little upper room up here anymore than I have to. I'm kind of a hermit, but I think based on where the show's going, I'm probably going to have to do that pretty soon. May even set up a a, a studio in in Dallas so we can have some more people come in. And um, so who who knows what the future holds? Absolutely. Good. Good. All right, boys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget, download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, The Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always in always. I'm out. <laughs>